to Luke chapter 2. The older I get, the more I love this uh, passage. And uh, I decided several years ago that I wouldn't go through a Christmas season without uh, reading and dealing in some way with, uh, with Luke 2. And uh, so we're going to do that this morning, and uh, we'll be reading it um, tomorrow evening during the communion service. But Luke chapter 2, Luke's account of the birth of Jesus, verses 1 through 20. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the census be taken of the, all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry. And found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. That is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this special portion of your holy and inspired word. We thank you for the beauty of it, and we thank you for the way in which it points us to the significance of the incarnation and all the birth of Christ means to us. And so we pray this morning as we reflect upon these verses that you would encourage our hearts with your love for us in your son Jesus we ask it in his name amen well Christmas is only uh, two days away 
I don't know if there is another day more anticipated than Christmas Day. Uh, people look forward to it. Uh, they uh, long for it to come. Children just can't wait for Christmas to arrive. And the stores, you know, help with that anticipation because they, it seems, put up their Christmas decorations and been there in their Christmas sales earlier every year. Used to, you know, after Thanksgiving, they started this countdown, daily countdown of shopping days till Christmas. I think it starts in October now. We decorate, we celebrate, we have parties and programs, all in anticipation of Christmas Day. But after all the extended anticipation, it doesn't take Christmas long to be over, does it? It doesn't take long for all the packages to be opened, the meal to be eaten, the excitement of the new toys to subside, and all that's left are empty boxes, torn wrapping paper, scattered ribbon, and lots of dirty dishes. What is it that makes Christmas so special? There's so many parts to it. What is it that really makes Christmas so special? Is it the, the trees and the lights and the decorations? Is it the candles, the wreaths, the poinsettias? Is it the presents, the bows, the surprises? Is it the festivities, the parties, the food, the programs? Think about it. If that's all there is to Christmas, then you really don't have very much to anticipate. You don't have very much to look forward to at all. If that's all there is to Christmas, then when the day has come and gone, and all the presents have been opened, and all the lights have been turned off, and all the decorations have been put back in the attic, and all the company has gone home, then all that's left many times is this deep sense of emptiness. Surely there must be something more. And that's the wonderful truth I want to share with you this morning. There is so much more to anticipate about Christmas than those rather mundane things. Christmas is about Christ. It is the day we celebrate his birth. You know, we make a big deal out of birthdays, don't we? We make a birthday cake. We buy birthday presents, we have birthday parties, and we honor the one who is celebrating the birthday. It is their special day. Well, Christmas is the day we celebrate Jesus' birthday. It is his day. It's rather odd, isn't it? We give gifts to each other on Jesus' birthday. We might do better to think of what we could give to him and what we could do for him rather than spend so much time and energy and money on wondering what we can do for each other. You see, Christmas really is not all about us. Christmas is to be all about him. It is a day for him to be 
honored and worshiped and adored. And I want to help you get in that mindset this morning by looking again at this marvelous account of this story in Luke 2. Isn't it a marvelous story? And we hear it over and over again, and yet we never get tired of it. There's always something fascinating about reading through the account of the birth of Jesus. It is somewhat mysterious, but it is so marvelous. So I want to take just a few minutes to think about what we find here in this special passage of the Bible. Three things. First, I want us to consider the circumstances of Jesus' birth. You know, last Sunday I pointed out the irony of Jesus' birth. And the irony is found in 2 Corinthians where it says that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. That's the irony of it all, isn't it? That Jesus, though he was rich, he became poor. And nothing shows us that poverty or that humility of Jesus more than the circumstances of his birth. Joseph and Mary were waiting for the birth of this very special child Mary was carrying, this child that had been conceived in her by the power of the Holy Spirit. They lived in Nazareth. But about the time the baby was to be born, they were ordered by the government to go to Bethlehem. Caesar Augustus ordered that a census be taken of the entire inhabited earth. We take that to mean of his kingdom. And the purpose for this census was to make sure he could make sure that everyone was being taxed properly. That has a rather familiar and contemporary sound to it, doesn't it? Now part of it was Caesar's pride. He wanted to know how many people there were in his domain and under his rule. He wanted to take a head count of all that were in his kingdom. But the other part was to make sure they were all paying, as we hear today, their fair share. And so Mary and Joseph were called to be counted in the census. And because Joseph was of the house of lineage of David, who was from Bethlehem, that's where they had to go. Now, it was about 90 miles from Nazareth in the north to Bethlehem down near Jerusalem in the south. A journey of 90 miles in those days would have been difficult. Any way you did it, you could walk. Most people did. You could ride a donkey or a mule. Common people did. But either way, it would take several days to make that distance. And since Mary was, as the Bible says, great with child, she was very pregnant, it made that trip all the more difficult. However, they did what they had to do. They loaded up what they would need. Uh, Can you imagine loading up on a 90-mile trip on a donkey with what you'd need for a baby? I'm sure they needed less than we think we need today when a baby is born but they left their home in Nazareth, made their way to Bethlehem to be counted in this census. You can imagine how weary both of them must have been when they arrived in Bethlehem. And then add to that weariness, the frustration, 
of not being able to find a room. Uh, There were so many people who had been ordered to go there for the census that all the rooms were taken. And uh, I'm sure you may have been in a similar situation. Uh, Traveling, uh, deciding you'll stop for the night, hadn't made reservation and stopped from place to place realized that all the motels were full. That's where Mary and Joseph were. There really was no room for them in the inn. So finally, as much out of desperation as anything, they took up an offer from one of the innkeepers uh, to make their place to stay in a stable that was out behind his inn. It would at least keep them dry, keep them warm. And so they gratefully accepted the innkeeper's kind offer, went behind the inn, back to the stable to spend the night where the animals were kept. Now, of course, it was that night that the baby Jesus was born. Now, don't think for a moment that any of that happened by accident. Caesar didn't know it. But his decision to call for this census at this particular time was really not his idea after all. You know, Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. God led Caesar to call for this census so that Mary and Joseph would be in Bethlehem for the birth of this child. You see, they had to be there because the Old Testament prophesied that the Messiah would be born there. And so as Caesar ordered the census be taken, as Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem to be counted in it, God's word, God's prophetic word was being fulfilled. And and the fact that all the rooms were taken was God's doing also. Because you see, being born in the stable was to stress the humility of Jesus. He was not to be born in a nursery. wasn't to be born with the finer things of life, any extras or luxuries. But he was only to have the bare necessities. It was to point to the great fact that the Lord of glory, God himself, humbled himself regarded equality God not a thing to be grasped or clung to but emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men his humility is displayed right there in the circumstances of his birth where from the wonders and the splendors and the glory of heaven Christ came to be laid in the stench of a stable. Though he was rich, yet he became poor. Well, second, those are the circumstances. Second, I want to consider the report of his birth. Jesus was born. Mary wrapped him in clothes, swaddling clothes, we like to call them. The King James refers to swaddling clothes. And laid him in a manger. Before Joseph had the opportunity to go tell anyone about the birth of this son, the news of the birth was announced by angels. 
And I said a couple weeks ago, it's very interesting to see how active the angels were in and around the birth of Jesus. This angel appeared to Zacharias to tell him that Elizabeth would give birth to a son in her old age, and that would be John the Baptist. He was an angel that appeared to Mary to tell her that she was the one chosen of God to give birth to God's son. It was a, an angel that appeared to Joseph to tell him of Mary's condition and not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife. And now it's angels who give the first announcement of the birth of God's son. But as interesting as who made the announcement, those to whom the announcement was made is just as interesting. It was not made to the religious leaders of the day. That is, it wasn't made to the scribes and Pharisees. It wasn't made to the, those who held political power. That is, it wasn't to Caesar Augustus, wasn't to Herod, wasn't to Quirinius. It wasn't given to anyone of high social standing that is, the business leaders, the politicians, or the power brokers. No, the first announcement of the birth of Jesus was to shepherds. Shepherds. The birth of Jesus was first announced to shepherds. And you've got to understand that shepherds were essentially social outcasts. They weren't very well respected at all. Being a shepherd was hard work, manually, physically, and emotionally. They had to spend long hours out in the fields, watching over the flocks, making sure they were fed, taken to uh, places where there was uh, grass to eat, water to drink, protecting them from uh, danger, other animals, uh, marauders who might come to steal them. And there was... It was a job that entailed long, boring hours of just sitting there in the fields. Many of them just went insane because of the sheer boredom of what they were doing. Well, it was to this group of shepherds that the angels appeared first to tell of Jesus' birth. Now you can imagine... I'm sure how frightened these shepherds must have been. Again, this is one of those places where you kind of got to try to put yourself back in the circumstance of the situation. Here they are. They're out in the field. It's in the middle of the night. Some of them had to work the night shift, stay awake all night watching the sheep. It's pitch dark. It was probably deathly quiet. The only light was whatever light was coming from the stars or they were out or whatever moonlight there was. The only sound was the sound of uh, uh, animals humming or uh, singing. And suddenly there was this bright light. It was a glorious light. And this light was so brilliant because it was a display of the glory of God. It was an angel from heaven who stood before these shepherds. And the Bible tells us that when they saw the glory of the angel, they were terribly frightened. Don't you know they were? I'm sure that's one of the greatest understatements in the Bible. They were scared to death. The first words of the angel were reassuring. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
Because he said, I've come to bring you good news of great joy that will be to all the people. And that good news the angel brought to these shepherds is unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Unto you is born a Savior. And the angel went on to tell the shepherds they could confirm whether or not what he had told them was true. All they had to do was make their way into the village of Bethlehem and go behind this end to the stable and there they would find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. This will be a sign for you, the angel said. Go and you will find it just as I have said. And so I'm sure if the shepherds weren't overwhelmed by now, they were at the next event. And that is because this one angel was suddenly accompanied by what the Bible describes as a whole host of angels right there in the, in the field. Praising God and giving glory to God. Saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill to men. Notice that the report, this first report of the birth of Jesus focused on two things. One, the uniqueness of his mission. And the other, the glory of his father. Unto you is born this day. A what? A Savior. A Savior. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to save. That is his primary mission. He came to save. And if you have not found Jesus to be your Savior this morning, you have missed the primary mission. Emphasis, the primary purpose for which he came to earth. Jesus came to save. That's why it's good news. Because we're all unable to save ourselves. We need someone to save us, to rescue us. And the message of the angels that night to the shepherds was, look, he has been born. The Savior has come. And if you doubt it, go to Bethlehem. And there you'll find him in the manger. And they reflected on the glory of God. Because in Jesus Christ we see God's glory manifested to us. And so they gave glory to him. Then third, I want to talk just a moment about the discovery of the birth. The discovery was the shepherds who were first told of the birth of Jesus. It was the shepherds who first discovered the reality of Jesus' birth. Uh, This appearance of the angels made a big impression upon them they uh, had a little meeting right after the angels left and said maybe we ought to do what the angels said Let's, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass and we don't know much about the shepherds really these shepherds we don't know much about any kind of faith they might have had and understanding they had about the coming of a messiah but uh, we do know that they understood enough that they needed to heed what the angels said and go see what had happened. And so they uh, made their way to Bethlehem and they found it just like the angel had said. There they found Joseph and there they found Mary and then they found the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
No greater discovery has ever been made. You know, men have discovered lots of wonderful things over the years, but nothing matches the discovery those shepherds made that night when they came to Bethlehem and found the Christ child lying in the manger. There's something special about a manger scene, isn't there? You ever watched a child? You ever stood in the hallway back here and watched some of the children just stop and look? There's just a sense of awe, isn't there? And we never quite get over that of what the shepherds found and discovered that night when they came to Bethlehem and found the Christ child with Joseph and Mary and the baby lying in a manger. They made a discovery. And it was a wonderful, life-changing discovery. They found the Christ child, the long-expected Jesus the Son of God, and look what they did into the verse, into the passage. They rejoiced over it. Verse 20, the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. The discovery of the birth of Christ gave them joy. Joy. We sang a great Christmas carol this morning. You might realize that I saved what I think are the best Christmas songs for today. And we sang joy to the world. The Lord is come. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. And there are so many benefits of the birth of Christ, so many blessings he gives to us. This morning I want to take what the shepherds experienced, what they took with them away from the manger, where we're told they went back glorifying and praising God, they were full of joy. Full of joy because Jesus had been born. Now, I want you to understand their circumstances didn't change. They had to go back to the field. The sheep were still there. They went back to their same mundane, routine job, but they went different men. They went with a heart full of joy. The circumstances didn't change. What changed? They changed. And that's what Christmas is about, you see. It's about us being changed by the power of the gospel, the good news that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The gospel means that you can have joy regardless of your circumstances. And some of you are in some hard ones. I know that. You are struggling. And yet, even in the midst of difficult personal struggles, whatever they may be, you can have real, significant, lasting joy. You gazed like a child with awe at the manger and embraced the crucified Savior who died on the cross and have placed your faith and your trust in him. It is the greatest gift ever given. You all have trees, all have, I'm sure, most of you, all of you have 
some gifts under your tree. They're all wrapped up. Are you going to open them all on Christmas Day? Sure you will. The sad thing is God has given this gift. And there are many people who leave it unwrapped. Who never take by faith the gift of God's Son given to them. And so my exhortation to you this morning, my encouragement to you this morning is if, if that gift to you still remains unopened, something concealed, that you'd take it, that you'd open it, and you'd embrace it, and you let the Christ child change and transform your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the glory of Christ. We thank you for his birth and his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, all that is involved in his ministry among us. But this morning we thank you so much for the circumstances of his birth, the report of that birth through the angels to the shepherds. There's a wonderful discovery those shepherds made and now it impacted their lives. May it do the same for us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.